Hello, and welcome back to Mission Daily. This is Albert Chow, and on today's episode, I sit down with newly anointed Stack Overflow CEO, Prashant Chandrasekhar. Stack Overflow is the largest online community of developers. Keep listening to learn how Prashant and Stack Overflow look to serve the developer community for years to come. Mission Daily is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome, everybody. Today, special guest on Mission Daily, newly named CEO, Prashanth Chandrasekhar, CEO of Stack Overflow. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Albert. Really, really good uh, to connect and, you know, really pleasure uh, to be part of this. I'm a big fan of your show and, and really appreciate uh, the opportunity. The reason why I'm excited to have you on today is for anyone that's in the de- we're obviously a tech podcast, and so a lot of our listeners are either operating tech businesses or working inside of tech businesses. And I'm excited to have you here because Stack Overflow is a product that I've, I've used Rackspace as well, but Stack Overflow, the current business, is something I've used in the past. Uh, for those who don't know what Stack Overflow is, I think most of our cl- our listeners do, but I'd still love to hear from you. What is Stack Overflow today? Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity. I think that uh, Stack Overflow is uh, the largest and most trusted uh, community and website for developers uh, around the world. Uh, so there isn't a... Uh, in general, I would say there isn't a software developer in the world that doesn't likely reference Stack Overflow on a daily basis to answer you know, either simple or complicated questions about any possible area of software development. Uh, so that is uh, ultimately what we do uh, and we beyond the community and what I just described, we have, uh, like I mentioned, 50 million uh, folks that show up uh, or people that leverage our website on a monthly basis for about 25 million questions and answers on any possible topic in software development. We also have uh, a very significant range of uh, products, including, uh, and SaaS products, including our uh, private Teams product, which is effectively a private version of our public community, where now we've seen a significant number of enterprises and mid-market companies leveraging them to, uh, to collaborate internally the same way they collaborate externally in the community. Uh, So it allows for a lot of, I would say, developers to come together, uh, share knowledge very rapidly, allow remote teams to to work a lot more collaboratively together, and to effectively keep evergreen content internally now within organizations as well. All of this is in addition to, of course, the foundation of our company, which is uh, the community and uh, what I described as uh, the platform we've built over the past 10 years. To give you a picture, when we were developing apps, applications, mobile applications, we found Stack Overflow. Like to anyone who's developed an application, it is basically mission critical. The ability to ask questions to a community of experts, to be able to take a look at answers, to get guidance on projects. So my understanding is, uh, you know, so like, let's say, for example, some of the newer applications, like developing serverless on serverless applications. Let's use that simple example. The reality is, is that this is a very new methodology, right? And the knowledge is not contained within a single organization. So from my understanding, the the way the product is now going is like, I work for company A. I can actually work in a private way so that other people aren't searching my work with com- someone from company B and work across communities to develop serverless architecture, for example, for an application. Is that how what's happening inside your organization, uh, excuse me, across your communities? Yeah, I think that to a degree, it's not necessarily just two organizations working together. I think something like serverless architecture, which is obviously a very uh, prominent topic these days, because it's obviously a very efficient way 
uh, to run microservices-oriented uh, architectures. And I would say general use cases, we have companies like Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure or Google Cloud. Uh, they all have their own serverless uh, capabilities, like Lambda as an example for AWS. And uh, many of those questions are on Stack Overflow's community and or in our, on our website. And so obviously, just by asking the question, how do you use AWS Lambda in XYZ way, very specifically, you're going to get a very specific answer that's a definitive answer to that question. And that's generally how most, most companies are leveraging us today. Now, the private experience is uh, also for companies that are looking to uh, collaborate on, say, a topic like Lambda, but very specifically with private information within the company. Uh, so let's take, you know, even your company, the mission, right? Even though you're a nonprofit, if you were you're developing a mobile application for, as you mentioned, and you want to build a serverless architecture, uh, you could leverage our public community to answer those questions. But you could also, if you have confidential proprietary information, you could use the private uh, Teams instance to help answer your team's questions on the same topic. No, that's that's amazing. Where you came from, Rackspace, is known for fanatical customer support, where it's all about customer, where it's, you know, you're supporting everyone that's working with you as you're treating them very well. How are you, bring, what are you learn from Rackspace and how are you bringing, or are you bringing any of those uh, culture traits over to Stack Overflow? I'd like to hear your vision for how the company is going to operate going forward with you at the helm. Yeah, no, great question. I think that uh, the one of the foundational things at Rackspace, and I was there for seven years, is, you know, we use the the slogan of fanatical and fanatical experience and fanatical support originally. And all of that came from really, uh, really putting the customer at the heart of the problem and, and that they're trying to solve and really putting ourselves in the customer's shoes and going really above and beyond uh, to make sure we solve that problem. So I think the it translates... Uh, you know, almost perfectly here because we have the phenomenal, you know, responsibility and uh, ability to make an impact around the world to, you know, the 20 something million developers that exist around the world and, and for all of them to show up uh, so regularly on a monthly basis. How do we make sure that not only are we listening to the community on a daily basis and responding to their feedback in a way that drives, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, I would say, productive outcomes for them so that they can actually leverage the community even in more uh, useful ways on one dimension. And also on the same, uh, in a similar vein, how do we build products for developers uh, that I mentioned earlier on, uh, like a private Teams product or Stack Overflow for Teams? How do we make sure that, again, we put customers at the heart of that to make sure we iterate very quickly based on their feedback and ultimately drive high levels of developer productivity and collaboration and all sharing and evergreen content internally, et cetera. So the, this putting the customer and having a customer orientation uh, is really what I think, uh, you know, that DNA is what I will bring here. It's part of who I am and what we've uh, ultimately uh, built at Rackspace. And uh, much of that is relevant here at Stack Overflow. Um, so that is the heart of it. Tell me about like the first, I guess you've been on the job now, 60 days approximately? Or a little bit less than sixty days. Yeah, this is my my. You know, this is uh, early early November, so this is uh, or mid November rather. So it's about uh, nine weeks. This is my ninth week in the company. I guess. What are you focused on as you transition to this new role? Obviously, you're you know you have a whole team of people. Some of them might have known you before, but I'll say largely most of them didn't know you. You know, you're you're taking over. You're now at the helm, and a lot of people are looking up to you. They know their company as it was. What are you What are you hoping to achieve? In the next, I guess, what have you done or how's your experience been in the last nine weeks? What are some of the short-term goals that you want to do? And I'd just love to hear like this transition because 
this is the first time we've had a CEO that's you know newly minted at a, a really awesome company. I'd like to hear how you, what your thoughts are as you as you've taken on this new role. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, my first uh, thirty days at the company were all focused on, and 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 still uh, to a large extent is focused on really listening to and and learning about all the great things that uh, the company has done over the past you know ten years, ten plus years. Uh, so I've actually spent the first month speaking to every single employee at the company. Uh, so we have about 300 folks around the world. Uh, so I did, you know, obviously a very rapid series of one-on-ones and group meetings, et cetera, where really trying to understand, uh, you know, what they believe is great about this company as we think about our long-term goals and what do they believe that, uh, you know, what, we, what they believe needs to change as we kind of, uh, you know, as we move towards our goals. And so that's been really a phenomenal experience talking to 300 folks and, and stackers, as we call them, uh, internally. And that has gotten, uh, that's given me the ability not only to ask questions that give me context, but also get to know every individual by name. And so I know most people by name at the company, if not all of them, uh, after uh, you know about uh, 45 days of being here, uh, which, is, which is great. That's I, intense. I know that was, <laughs> that's yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> Yes, but it allows me to really, you know, immerse myself uh, in the culture of the organization and really understand people for who they are beyond, you know, obviously working collectively on this uh, this great mission. Uh, in addition to talking to customers, you know, speaking with our community members, uh, which I've done uh, several of those conversations over the past uh, month, and also talking to uh, a whole group of our customers uh, who are consuming our products uh, that I mentioned earlier on. Uh, teams product and uh, even our talent and ads products and so on. So that has given me, I would say, a very deep perspective or 360 perspective on, you know, how the company got to where it is today, the value that we add in the community, the value that we add for our customers, uh, and ultimately the the opportunity to make a huge difference uh, on all those fronts uh, for the next decade. Uh, so, you know, I can talk about what we're planning on doing in the future and ultimately it's to really scale our company from where we are today, you know, call it 10 times from where we are today uh, and really, and really serve. Uh, and you know, as we like to call it, uh, help write the script of the future by serving developers and technical knowledge workers. And so it's really, uh, we want to really focus on that and deliver an outstanding uh, set of experiences and products and, and outcomes for, for that group. One of the things that we see a lot now is like almost like, Tech companies and tech leaders are expected to provide, and their companies are supposed to provide, like a civic duty. Where are Stack Overflow's priorities going to be going forward? Like, where posi- what positions and I guess causes will the company care about going forward? You know, uh, one of our key, I would say, strategic priorities for 2020 is to make sure that we have a very significant amount of community engagement and inclusion uh, to make sure we welcome uh, developers and again technical knowledge workers from all diaspora and very diverse uh, places and backgrounds. And uh, that really, we, you know, we would love to work with, uh, and there's so many, so many great organizations out there around the world, uh, like, you know, Black Girls Code, there's Andela, there's Women Who Code. There's so many different organizations that I think uh, have, who have such compelling uh, missions that we'd love to partner with uh, to jointly uh, achieve uh, our goals. Um, so, you know, it's an, almost an open invitation. I think folks that are listening on this call, if they'd love to, uh, we'd love to kind of work with you um, if, uh, you know, if you're interested in partnering with us and obviously leveraging uh, our reach around the world on this topic. Here's where I got to ask you in your decision making, right? So you're, you're talking to everybody, you're talking to customers, you're talking to team members, you're hearing things that they love. You're also probably hearing things that they don't like, right? And 
then there comes the idea like there's got to be some level of prioritizations. I guess what will you use in your decision tree to start prioritizing how to write the script of the future? I mean, it's a big goal, right? But and there's a million things you could do. But so how will you right. choose what to focus on first? Yeah, that's a great question. I think almost entirely, you know, being, uh, you know, a CEO, any leader, I would say within an organization, a lot of it comes down to prioritization and what you focus on. And all of that comes down to nailing down your know, top initiatives or strategic objectives of the company, given the mission of what I described around, you know, helping write the script of the future. Uh, and then the vision for the company of where we're actually growing. Are we, are we trying to grow rapidly based on the opportunity that's in front of us? Uh, which we believe uh, is is definitely the case. Uh, and then what are we going to do? There's the, the why are we doing it? Then there is the what are we trying to accomplish? And then how are we going to go do it? And that the how is really the, the top five uh, initiatives that you know, we, we wanted to nail. And that a lot of that has to do with uh, rapidly scaling our team's uh, uh, for, for team's product and making sure that we... Uh, we make sure that customers are aware or, you know, the community is aware that we are really trying to serve them in multiple dimensions uh, in, in beyond the community and give, make sure that these uh, folks are aware about our products and, and uh, all the initiatives they're working on and also to deliver an outstanding product value proposition by having very deep uh, feedback loops uh, with the community, with customers, et cetera. Uh, and ultimately, uh, you know, the, the, kind of the most important priority for us is to make sure that we have high, high levels of community engagement and uh, really be inclusive of all the developers that are coming into the workforce uh, from, you know, uh, I would say all parts of the world with very, very diverse backgrounds. And we want to make sure that, you know, we are the platform that they, they continue to come to to, you know, seek answers to their toughest questions or any questions as they kind of onboard into, into this, uh, this ecosystem. So all of that, ultimately, those are our priorities. And those came about as a result of being very clear on our mission and who we're serving, the target customer, if you will, or the, you know, who we're really ultimately uh, you know, trying to make, uh, whose lives are we trying to make better, and then uh, ultimately our own growth goals of, as, a, as an organization. Yeah, no, this is phenomenal. But one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, so we see, for example, across our shows, when we talk to different CEOs, how fast education trends are changing among developers specifically, right? Where more and more people are learning or self-educated or going to all these other schools. I'm sure Stack Overflow sees that itself. It's It's got, it's like an education ground yourself. Are you seeing like a higher velocity of account set up signups? Do you know that if these people are younger than ever or what is it, I guess, how is your community transforming? Absolutely. I mean, we have, you know, close to, if you just think about the scale of our, of our organization, right? We have, like I mentioned, 50 million people show up uh, or 50 to 60 million people, depending on the year, show up on our website on a yearly basis. We have a tremendous number of people sign up for new accounts on a monthly basis, almost 100, 100 to 150,000 people uh, sign up for a new Stack Overflow account every month. So that's sort of 150,000 people <laughs> right, around yeah. the world. <laughs> That's a lot of people. So uh, we we do collect a lot of structured uh, feedback, and you know we do, for example, our annual developer survey, uh, and we publish our 2019 results earlier this year, and it showcases what you're describing, which is the the number of people that are beginning to enter into software development and writing code. Uh, you know, the demographic is certainly changing. I think I think over half the respondents uh, of our 2019 developer survey. Had written their first line of code by the time they were 16 years old. 
Wow. Right. Wow. One six, <laughs> uh, which is which is phenomenal. If you think about, you know, just the impact of what they're going to, you know, the, their impact on the world, uh, you know, uh, in the coming decades is going to be phenomenal. Other things that we've learned is that many, many people who come to our website are actually coding as a hobby. You know, I think over 80 percent of our I think we polled something like 90,000 people in our survey, uh, something that range and close to 80 percent of those who responded said they code, uh, they were using coding as a hobby or they were, coding was a hobby of theirs, as an example, right? And it shows that about, I think something like 40% of the folks that have been coding professionally, uh, you know, have been coding professionally for less, than five, less, for less than five years. So the point is that there are a lot of new folks coming on board uh, into the ecosystem and we are a massive enabler, uh, a steroid shot, if you will, or an accelerant for their learning uh, to be able to, you know, grow very rapidly, uh, you know, in their own careers. When you have, I guess, such a community in, let's say, they're nascent in their career, right? You mentioned before, like, you know, how young they are, how how many do it as a hobby, and I and I'm going to imagine those numbers grow because as every company seems to involve more and more, the fact that every company seems to be having a software component to their business, right? Right. Yeah. How do you see that impacting on the products and services you guys have to deliver? Because Theoretically, you're going to have to be on the front end, right? Because it takes probably a year, maybe two years to develop a good product or at least something that, that is usable by, by a large community. How are you going to stay at the forefront of what their needs are? Yeah, no, great, great question. I think, I think that it comes back to what I mentioned earlier on around putting the customer and the community at the front and center in, uh, in terms of our feedback loops and really understanding what they really are trying to accomplish and what are their core pain points. Right. And so when we think about the developer workflow and, you know, these days, you know, I've, uh, I've managed engineering teams uh, in my career and we've obviously got, you know, a significant number of engineers at Stack Overflow. There's a very specific developer workflow. The modern workflow today, you know, most people use something like GitHub for code collaboration. They use Slack to communicate uh, from a chat perspective. They use Stack Overflow from, it's part of the developer workflow to go and answer a question or two or three every day. Uh, and, you know, uh, effectively leverage a very specific answer to, to their coding issue. Uh, and they use something like Jira as an example as well. So there's a very specific tool set, a very specific set of things that people have to use to get their jobs done. And so for us, part of it is to make sure is every part of that workflow, does it solve uh, all the problems that a developer has? Uh, how can we actually leverage the, uh, the tremendous amount of information that we have to make developers go faster? on a daily basis. So we've spent a lot of time thinking about integrations. Uh, and, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, we integrated with Slack. A couple of months, uh, two, a few weeks ago, we integrated with Microsoft Teams. About 10 days ago, we integrated with GitHub. Uh, in about a month, we're going to integrate with uh, Jira. Uh, so these are all examples of us trying to make sure that we are very much part of the developer workflow so developers don't break away from what they're doing, but also leverage um, the tremendous amount of uh, the treasure trove of information that we have for developers to go even faster. So imagine a world where we're able to uh, proactively provide them with solutions to their problems when they're collaborating, let's say, internally in their private instance of Stack Overflow, which is Stack Overflow for Teams, when, uh, and they're almost being given recommendations, almost like you know, you'd have an Amazon.com, you'd have you know, book recommendations. In this case, we would have code recommendations of, here's a piece of code that could actually make you go faster because you're building this sort of an application. So just imagine a world where we could actually do something like that. So I think you're hitting on two things, right? The first thing is 
the idea that you're you're going to develop your application with I would call it like with no borders, right? You're like the, all the integrations, all the other different tools. You already named them. The idea that you make it easier for someone who works out of tool one to get information that they need out of Stack Overflow, like that is. I mean, it's, it's like required nowadays, right? Like every every application is like the number one priority is like, can they integrate with another application? Right. And then the idea of preemptive, uh, we've had a couple of customers or guests talk about how the first idea was, can your software do this? But then now people are saying, can your software do this for me? As in, I don't want right. to, I don't right. want to type yeah. anything in. I want you to tell me what I need to, what I'm supposed to do. So I think that you you thinking in that way is going to, can only be beneficial. Yeah, it's effectively to make sure that we're bringing more people along because to your point earlier on, you know, and this is well documented that every company is a technology company and you've heard the, you know, the phrase software is eating the world, et cetera. And I think we are seeing more and more companies uh, and more and more people just as this hobbyist comment that I mentioned earlier on, 80% of folks are coding as a hobby is because most people believe that they can actually solve a problem by writing code. And it's not surprising that, you know, something like Python is the most popular programming language out there because it is, people are picking it up very, very rapidly. Now there's also, you know, the other extreme or an extreme version of this is uh, the notion of something like citizen developers where you've got, you know, no, almost a, uh, you know, it's effectively allowing anybody to build a software application and you don't really need to even be a detailed or even a professional coder. Uh, and that's on the extreme side, right? But the point is, there's a spectrum of trying to get more and more people, every aspect of society to contribute uh, in, a, in a way that's you know, moving the world forward using technology and software. Uh, and so that's, that's, the, that's the link. That we, are, we are part of that link in many ways to make that happen. Now, there's another element to the Stack Overflow business that I haven't heard you talk much about. So I, I want to kind of hear your opinion here. Is one of the things that you do is you help in the recruiting side of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Number one, that's got to be high. De- I'm assuming it's going to be high demand. And you're just going to continue. The demand is going to be increasing. Obviously, most of the top people are here. But I guess, tell me about that side of the business because you have on one side, you have the community, which you need to protect. And on the other side, you have recruiters and com- you know customers that need other developers, which you have access to. So how do you balance, I guess, that that dichotomy of people who need to recruit and then people who want the privacy of doing you know, the research? Yeah, so I think that ultimately, again, if you put who we're trying to serve in the middle, which is effectively, again, developers and technical knowledge workers, for us, we want to do everything possible to make sure that developers' lives are very productive and we serve them on multiple dimensions. And so one of the, back when Stack Overflow was created, that was one of the earliest ways in which, uh, one of the earliest ideas, and we we launched what we called our talent business, uh, which is effectively allowing developers effectively we have the world's developers on our platform, right? You have to remember that every single developer is using that Coflow. How do we give those developers the opportunity when they do in fact have a reason to change their jobs, et cetera, to have direct access to companies that are looking for great people out there? Because as we know, you know, there are literally over a million software development jobs that don't get filled every year, right? They're all unfilled because there's just not enough enough people in the world that are able to, you know, kind of fill those roles. And so it's, uh, it's, we felt that it was actually productive to, or the company felt it was very productive to actually have that two-sided sort of marketplace on there where we worked with companies to make sure, uh, to make, to make sure that they actually posted their, all their, uh, their jobs on our platform and then give ultimately developers control, by the way, uh, whether, they want to be get, whether, they, whether they want to get notified about uh, those job postings. And so we 
uh, wanted to bring both those entities together again in the spirit of serving our developers as they go through their you know go through life and go through career changes and you know we want to be there for them. No, that thing makes total sense. I know that when we when we tried recruiting, uh, when we it was easier in my opinion to recruit for technical uh, help via Stack Overflow. So there you go. For anyone who's thinking about doing it, go ahead and do it. I think you're going to be happy with the results. Give you a little plug. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, when I joined, I actually thought that our you know our developer profile and you know how we actually it's a very objective place to hire developers because you ha- you know a ton about them by coming onto our platform because you know exactly how they interact and collaborate with the community. You know the quality of their answers because you can see the seed reflected in their score as an individual in the, in the community, right? You have all these badges and, and that we have given or awarded to the developer because they have demonstrated many different attributes that we find uh, are valuable for the community. And so that gives you a tremendous amount of objective information about a candidate versus starting completely from scratch. So we really believe we're the best place to hire developers in the world. Uh, if it's combined with uh, some a couple other data points, maybe their GitHub re- repository, because it actually shows you specifically, you know, their existing code and any open source projects that they might have uh, contributed to, in combination with Stack Overflows, their answers in the community and their score and their badges, etc. That gives you a tremendous amount of in- rich information about the candidate. And then you, of course, you you can you know have the actual interview and then decide if they're a fit. No, yeah, I mean you get to answer the technical aptitude question very early in the game. I actually remember this. This is a horror story, not related to Stack Overflow, but we actually hired uh, someone at a tech company I worked at, uh, you know, maybe ten years ago, and it, it was became very self evident on the first day of the job that the person had fudged their resume quite a bit, oh, wow, and we yeah. had not done enough, uh, you know, due diligence in the testing phase. So I feel like recruiting someone out of Stack Overflow. I'm not saying it's it's not foolproof, but it's certainly like you just suggested. It's it's part of the way there. It's great. Absolutely. It's objective for sure. Yeah. So you have like multiple lines of business. You're brand new at the company. One of the things I want to ask you about is like, how about you personally? Like this obviously was an exciting opportunity, but also one with, you know, I guess a burden responsibility is a good way to put it. How did you mentally like say, this is the job I want. Um, This is what I want to do. This is the company I want to lead. How did you, I guess, make that decision and i'd like to curious into like the psychology of your personal interest and stuff like that to say hey i'm going to be the ceo of stack overflow yeah no i think it's definitely you know I, uh, career transitions uh or you know i would say important moments in people's lives because you only work for so many uh i would say missions or for certain missions in your life and you only you know uh you only have so many kind of roles in life right so i think that in that context and i'm, I'm fairly deliberate about you know, where I go and work or what, you know, roles I pick. And I think in this particular case, I'm a big, a very, very important part of what I care about as I think back to, as I think about, you know, when I'm 80 and I look back and, you know, what would I feel good about, uh, you know, about my life? I want to make sure that I've created a lot of positive impact, um, you know, for, for the world in some meaningful way. And there are only, I would say, a handful of companies in the world that have the ability to make that happen. And obviously, Stack Overflow, in my mind, just given my exposure to the company over the past 10 years, and at, you know, when I was at Rackspace and even before that, you know, just, I, I just felt it was just such a great, great mission that is helping so many, so many people around the world, uh, literally around the world, right? There's this map that, uh, you know, we publish in our developer survey that when I first saw that, I just totally fell in love with this company. I said, I can't believe that this company actually impacts that many people around the world. Literally over 20 million people, developers around the world that are powering, powering literally the world, like how they are, we are literally 
we are advancing as as a civilization because of technology, and we are we are a component of making that happen, which is you know a tremendous amount of I would say responsibility, but also just you know I would say there's uh, you know it just feels really really uh, fulfilling to be part of that mission. So that's I would say a foundational element of uh, you know what I thought about when I thought about making a change. And then secondly, I would say just in terms of uh, matching my own skill set and what I've done historically. Uh, in my roles at, at Rackspace, especially uh, being there for seven years and having grown their uh, cloud services businesses, uh, uh, again, on, on top of Microsoft Azure and uh, Amazon Web Services and Google Cloud, uh, I helped build one of the fastest growing businesses at Rackspace's, in Rackspace's history. And so the skill set required to do that and the ability to scale businesses very rapidly uh, is really that experience uh, seemed very relevant in this opportunity as a CEO of this company. And so as we think about you know the various products that I was explaining before, our Stack Overflow for Teams product or even our talent and ads products, how do we scale this uh, all aspects of, uh, of this organization? Of course, including the community engagement. Uh, we want to keep rapidly increasing that. Uh, so how do we do all of that in a successful way? And that's, I think, my skill set, I just felt was very uniquely uh, I would say was a was a good match or uniquely matched uh, uh, to this opportunity, and those are the couple of reasons why I ultimately ended up here. Were you a little nervous after you said yes? Like, oh, now 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 I've said yes. Here we go. Yeah, no, I think that, you know there's always a, a level of uh, you know positive nervousness, but yeah. I would say it's not it's not only I I think that the positive nervousness is to make sure that you know there's obviously a tremendous number of people around the world counting on us making a positive or continue to make a positive impact. Uh, there's obviously this tremendous amount of this great, great group of stackers all around the world. And we have employees literally around the world that are counting on us in this, counting on me and the rest of the leadership team to make a, uh, to take us to this next era and this next decade of, of uh, growth for the company. So yeah, I would say uh, positive nervousness, but good, good nervousness. I would say a lot of people just when they view pow- like powerful CEOs or leaders of big companies, they just think that, oh, they have it all figured out. But what we've learned over the years of doing mission is everyone has a little self-doubt, a little nervous energy, like, you know, it's, and it's a positive energy, but uh, we've, we, what we've found is that the people that tend to think they have all the answers tend to be the ones that are, they're not as common as you think. Like the, the idea that a CEO has all the answers is just not true. Definitely not. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's hard to have all the answers just given the complex world that we live in. And, you know, I am, you know, 100% uh, in agreement with you that, you know, that's why we all work as a team, right? That's why we have the best in the business. All the people that I hire on my leadership team or surround myself uh, around me on the leadership team uh, all have to be better than me in their respective areas. Otherwise, I would have failed in my job, right? Because I'm never going to be the best person to do all of those things. I'm not going to be the best marketing uh, leader in the organization. I need to have the best marketing leader that I could possibly find. Uh, and, you know, we have a great marketing leader on, on our team as an example, so who is much, much better than me. So the point is that for always to, for us to surround ourselves with people that are going to elevate the, the game collectively as an organization and part of me to make sure that I play quarterback, uh, but not have all the answers, but to effectively had the right people around me to have the best answer at the end of the day. What we want to do now is kind of ask you some few fun questions to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Go for it. What do you do for fun? You know, I, uh, I spend a lot of time with my family and I have two young kids. I have, you know, a 10 year old and a seven year old. Um, and so congratulations. Uh, my, yeah, you know, thank I got a 10 you. myself. I have an 11 and a seven year old. So there I, we go. I, I know, you know, I know exactly what you're what talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that's just a lot of fun. I would say in general, you know, being part or experiencing that, 
their maturity and as they kind of grow up. And it's just fascinating to me how quickly they're able to pick up things. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously are very, very true and pure in terms of their thinking. And it's, uh, it, it's a great leveler in my mind about just, you know, being able to interact with them and just, you know, also reflect back on, you know, your own decisions and you as an individual, like it's given me an opportunity to reflect back on, you know, who, who am I who, and how do I, you know, what do I stand for based on, you know, my interactions with my, with my children. And it's been, it's, I would say that's the joy of, of having children. It's very, very fulfilling. So I would say the ton of what I do is uh, focused on that and, and family. How about for personal, like, do you have any personal hobbies or interests that you do? Like, a family's number one, but a personal number two for yourself. Yeah, you know, I would say personally, you know, there is, uh, there, I'm a big uh, sci-fi uh, fan, so I'm a big space geek. So I do spend a lot of time uh, pontificating about, you know, uh, or, you know, I'm a big, obviously, a sci-fi movie guy, okay. etc. Uh, and so I do, I do spend time thinking about that. Which, like, it's just fascinating to me, like, you know, overall, uh, you know, if you think about the, you know, you know, our purpose on this earth and, you know, where we are relative to the old the universe that exists around us and just the possibility of, you know, why we exist and just asking philosophical questions like that. I just love having those debates, by the way, with, with my friends and people that I'm close with uh, and augmented by, you know, science fiction, which, you know, gives you a real kind of a realm of possibility or kind of an entire kind of like range of possibilities about all those sort of things, including, you know, if you think about uh, something like Elon Musk talking about the fact that we're all in the video game, which is like, very, very interesting to me to, to imagine that sort of a scenario. Uh, that's, that's exciting to kind of like learn about, um, you know, or to, to learn about our, you know, kind of our mission and purpose in the world. Uh, so I do spend a lot of time thinking about that uh, space. Uh, you know, obviously the other things that keep me occupied are, uh, you know, I do play a few musical instruments. I used to be actually a fairly avid cricket player as a young, young, young boy or young man uh, back when I was in India, when I was there until I was about 17 and that was used to be that used to be my obsession. And recently, when I was on a trip to India, I went and watched a live cricket match first time. Uh, ironically, even though I've been in, I was in India for so long, I never got a chance to watch one. And I went with my mom and my cousin, and we uh, we watched an uh, an Indian cricket team, uh, as they call it, twenty twenty game, which was very very exciting. That was a dream come true after a very, or literally a multi decade wait of making that happen. So, so you're quite diversified. You're a family man. You're an athlete. You know, cricket player, <laughs> right? You got sci-fi. Long time ago, not anymore. You play music instruments. Play that, yeah. And the fascinating thing about cricket is like, cricket can go on for quite a, a while. Is that right? Yeah, you know, although they have got, you know, they have received, again, the spirit of, you know, feedback loops, they have received that feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and the, the commercial nature of the sport has taken over where now they realize that short and sweet is better for ratings. And so what they have done is they have created uh, multiple uh, I would say versions of the game where originally it was, you know, test cricket, which is five days long. Yeah. Then you had one day cricket. They shortened that version <laughs> to come up with a one day version, meaning it's all day experience. And now they've created something called a T20, which is literally 20 hours, which is basically a couple hours each. So it's still about four hours long. I wouldn't be surprised if they even cut that down even further uh, to create another version of the game that's even smaller and shorter, because ultimately it's all about, you know, there's literally a religion around the world and, you know, they are, constantly iterating and they have multiple formats of the game now uh, to make it exciting. No, that sounds good. How often do you get to go back to India? I do that probably once every other year. Uh, and, you know, my parents who still live in Bangalore, India, um, they come over uh, to the U.S. every year, a couple times a year almost, uh, along with my, my younger brother also is based uh, here in New York. 
And so, you know, it's, it's always, uh, we get a chance to see them uh, quite often, I would say. Uh, my parents are, you know, still very, very active in their professional lives and, and doing things internationally, et cetera. So it's been uh, really, really a joy to see them multiple times. So I'm from, my family's from Taiwan. And I haven't been ah, since gotcha. I was seven years old. So, uh, you know, wow, I'm going amazing. back for the first time, you know, turning 40. So, you know, big, big numbers. So yes. I want to go back and uh, well, I can still tolerate the the flight. <laughs> yeah, no, you should, man. It's, it's important to stay close to our roots, you know, right. especially I think uh, we have the, I would say, the distinct uh, blessing of having kind of, you know, experienced multiple cultures around the world and having a perspective that I think is not necessarily common. So I think as being immigrants, I think it, it gives us, uh, at least it's given me a tremendous amount of appreciation for you know what we have here relative to other parts of the world. So it's so awesome. Enjoy your trip and I hope I, I hope you make the most of it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And to your point, like when, you, when you're from a different place or whatever, um, you kind of look for something that you can unify yourself without forgetting who you are, but unify yourself for where you're now part of, right? And Indeed. math has always been that, but like I feel like applications and products are now they're like the newest thing right that's like kids when i watch kids interact and exchange on like information trade it's like yeah. on those feedback loops like you like you said thanks for joining us today yes, sir. did you have a good time absolutely it was great mission daily signing out mission daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera, who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.